Good morning, everyone. We're so glad to have you here for the last Sunday in 2018. I, I don't know about you, but I don't think I can remember a time that I was so glad for a year to come to its conclusion. And this has been one of those years that I know that a lot of y'all are glad 2018 is over. I am looking forward to what God has for 2019. I am. I'm glad I have great expectation of what this coming year is going to be like. I have some concerns, I have some hope, because I know without a shadow of doubt that God is in control. If you don't have that as a foundation belief in your heart and in your life, the outlook for the future might be very discouraging. But when you realize that God is in control, everything is going to be all right. I believe that. I noticed this morning that when I got here, I happened to, on one of those unusual times, look at my phone and I get a banner that scrolls across the screen on my phone in regard to important news that one of the, one of the news outlets brings. And I couldn't help but notice this thing this morning, the article in regard to the Catholic Church. And that the headline was, this has been a hell of a year for the Catholic Church. Before we get, can get all excited about that, from a Christian political perspective, if there is a, such a thing, it might be wise to understand that it's just not the Catholic Church. It's Christians in general. There is an attack, I believe, that is coming upon Christianity in such a way that I believe that we have never seen before. One of the things that I have noticed, and I went over some of these things yesterday and I've been praying about this message for over a month now and I couldn't help but look at some of the areas that of things that have happened in a very unusual manner just going to spend a couple of minutes on this then we're going to get into what God has to say this morning I'm going to be reading some of this. From earthquakes in Indonesia, flooding in Japan, and a volcano eruption in Guatemala, thousands have lost their lives in natural disasters. In the year 2018, and hundreds of thousands more were injured or displaced. The ongoing deadlies in wildfire, in, in wildfires in California underscore how rapidly nature, nat natural disasters can become deadly. There were fierce wildfires that tore through a coastal area in Greece in late July while most victims died in the fire. Some drowned in the sea as they were attempting to flee the flames according to the news reports. In New Guinea, 145 people died as a 7.5 megatude 
earthquake struck the southern highlands province of Papua New Guinea in February, triggering a major aftershock and some landslides. Close to half a million people were affected by the disaster, according to Relief Web. Heavy rains at the end of August and in early September caused dangerous flooding and landslides in North Korea, which destroyed more than 800, 800 buildings. The International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies had reported this. Another unusual thing that happened, temperatures in Pakistani city of Karachi stayed above 104 degrees Fahrenheit for several, for several days in May, according to the news reports. The heat wave coincided with power outage in the month of Ramadan, a month when many Muslims refrained from eating or drinking during the daytime. Most of those who died were from poor areas, including children and elderly, they reported. One of the most unusual things happened in the exact Middle East. Snow. I mean, you think of, you know, these hot places, and you, one of the things you don't think about is snow. When going to school in San Antonio, it snowed that one year, first time it had snowed in 25 years, and some of those local kids that was at the Bible college I was at, they said, what in the world was that? And I spoke up and I said, stupid, it's radioactive fallout. And they looked at me and actually for a moment thought I was serious. But it wasn't. It was that unusual thing called snow. Well, this year for the first time in over 100 years, snow fell in Lebanon, snow fell in Israel, snow even fell in Saudi Arabia for the first time in 100 years. Putting all that together, we have a natural tendency, especially Christians, to tag that as judgments of God. I'm not saying it is so, and I'm not saying it is not. I do know that natural disasters has, ha has been happening ever since there has been recorded uh, phenomenons that has gone on throughout the world. And today, because of the news outlets and the live TVs, even looking at when, the, uh, what was it called, uh, uh, Insight uh, landed on Mars a few weeks ago, it was a live one. First time, it was almost like when uh, a desert storm happened and some of those soldiers had their phones and was recording live, but it was a little bit of a delay. Well, the thing, same thing was happening on the moon, on the Mars landing uh, about four weeks ago. And it was showing exactly what was going on exactly at the right time. You put all these things together and you cannot help but classify some of these things as what Jesus, uh, 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 Jesus is saying in, in the book of Luke in regards to some of the things that were going to take place at the end time. I'm not here to tell you today what's going to happen at the end time. I'm going to tell you something today that I truly hope will help you in this coming year. I look back and I, I can't help but remember the song we, we sung, we, we, we just got through singing, and how that there are so many of us have been affected by that song this year. Some of you have lost sons, some of you have lost relatives, some of you have faced some very traumatic things in your life in 2018. But life goes on, and whether we like it or not, we have to deal with the present. And that is so hard once you have had someone to share and to lean on, and when that person is gone, it is very difficult. I want to actually, that's my appetizer, okay? So 
to go directly opposite here is the message that I hope will help you in this coming year. And that is, how do we pray in this new year? I believe this is going to be one of the most definitive year that we as Christians, no matter if it's just a few years older, a few years old, or you that are a little bit like me in my teenage years right now. Okay, so some of you don't know whether to laugh or whine your watch. That's, a, that's okay. But I, I believe that there is a need to know how to pray. And I have a few points to bring to you. So please, write some of these things down if you have a pen. If you don't know what a pen is, look, at, look me up after church, okay? And how many has got your Bibles today? How many's got your electronic Bibles today? How many don't even know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I remember way back, and first time I ever saw anything was in regard to phones was a report that came out of Madrid, Spain, at the Catholic Church there in Madrid, and there was a sign at the back of the church as they come in, please deposit your cell phones in this basket. And I thought, have we come to the place? Where, where we had to be told to cut your phone off. I mean, I was, I was at a place Sunday night, okay? Yes, there are places that have service on Sunday night, still. And I was at a place, and, and all, it was a Christmas. It was a Christmas special. And uh, the church, the church was, was full. And I noticed right in the, there was one point in there that they were singing. And they cut off, they did a pause, and they did a hold. And right at that point, Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. Somebody's phone went off. And they couldn't find it because it happened to be the person sitting right next to my brother. Looking in their purse. Well, looking in their purse. Looking throughout the thing. They could not find it. And I heard the girl's daughter say, Have you got find my phone on there? And about that time it was cut off. And I thought, I thank the Lord for that. How to pray. In this coming year. So I trust that if the phone rings, I hope it's God. (laughs) Believe me, I had a a funeral that I was doing in St. Louis a few years ago, and the phone went off. Never never mind. (laughs) How to pray in the coming year. We've had preliminaries in regard to Christmas time, in regard to peace, joy, some other pertinent things that is there. Enjoy what Christ did by coming. There's two things that Christianity hangs on that is primarily one of the most important things in a believer's life. Number one, the coming of the Messiah. Number two, his second coming. On those two things, our Bible rests upon. No other two things in the Word in the Word will affect us as believers as much as the first coming, and then followed up by the second coming. Of the Lord. So looking around and doing what the Word of God says, it's time not to sleep, it's time to be sober, it's not a time to uh, be drunk, it's a time to be uh, uh, not sober uh, or or sober. It's a time that we wake up. The things that has lulled us to sleep, God's warning in His Word speaks to us and tells us that it's high time that we awake out of our sleep with all of these things that are coming upon us. Let's understand that life and the uh, uh, time dimension and, and uh, if you want to call it by the proper name, uh, uh, temporal mechanics or, 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 or some things like that. We, we have to understand this, that God 
is not only in his time frame, but God is also in our time frame. Amen? Somebody wouldn't mind getting me that Kleenex because the, the uh, water hose cannot be turned off right at this time. And I would not just like to go over there. I was thinking the other day, I said, thank you, hon. Sister, Sister A, E, I'm sorry, spelled it E. We joke back and forth, and I, I call her Sister Anybody else got a thing to say before I start my sermon? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, where was I? Cleaning my nose, turning it off. There are some things we have to understand that are going to happen. I went over some of those things. It's not going to happen. It is happening. Now, in our Christian walk with God, there's a, rail, a set of railroad tracks. They're parallel to one another. They both go in the same direction. And that's a way that things are in the eschatological part of our Christian experience with God. Speaking of end time things that are happening. Now from the book of Acts, the second chapter, verse 20, Peter started it all up and he said, In the last days God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Now let's understand that that's, the time, that's, where, the, that's where the timer started. The timer started when Peter got up and said, in the last days, referring to what had happened in the previous few scriptures, that God poured his power and spirit out, and that was a sign that it was the beginning of the end. A lot of people think, we're in the beginning of the end now. No, the beginning of the end happened back when Peter stood up and said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Okay, that set thing in the, into motion. And then Jesus turns to, around, and in, in approximately uh, 1,900 years uh, and, and more, and declares some additional things that are going to take place. He talks about wars, rumors of war, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, and all of the moon uh, turning into blood, and all of these things. Uh, the majority of them we have seen. But there are still some things that have not. Now, the two railroad tracks, the two parallel railroad tracks, one is heading the same direction as the other. One of those, one of those railroad tracks is things that are going to happen to this world, going to happen to unbelievers. The other railroad that is going in the same direction, but because of design is being held apart, so that the train can go to its destination. And the closer that is to the, the exact perimeters of what is supposed to be done, it is how smooth everything is. So you've got the things of God, the believers, and you've got on the other, the other track the world and the things. Now for a long time, things have been going parallel. But all of a sudden now, I tell you that there is some discrepancies that causes those railroad tracks to take on a different dimension and a different direction. When that happens, what is going to happen? The, 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 the train is going to fall off the railroad track. I was very concerned when I went to St. Louis this time, and my, my nephew had his, his baby, which is my first great Nephew, yes, I am old enough to have some of those. But I, I noticed one thing that my, my nephew really liked to do, and that in, is in the baby room up by the ceiling, he has built a railroad track. And, a, and around the top of it, and he braced the thing up, and I was proud. He's got a floating, he's got a floating shelf that has no support underneath it. I thought he'd done a good, good job. And on that railroad track up at the ceiling, he's got a miniature train that goes all the way around. And he has put Legos, and he's built little bridges, and he's done those kind of thing in a log cabin, and then uh, a Star Wars, uh, uh, some things up there. And so when he turns that train on, uh, those guns on one side, fires to the other one, and that train goes around, and I thought, what if that, you know, he was real excited about that because lights would come on and it would look like 
they were shooting at one another. Anyway, and I was thinking, it better be good because if it's not, it's going to fall off the wall and it's going to land on my nephew, my great nephew. And he says to me, Uncle Prentice, don't worry. I have got that thing designed where that train would have to be five times at the weight or the mass that it is for that thing to fall off my wall. I said, would you, when you turn it on, still move the baby bed out so we can really make sure that that doesn't fall on my great nephew? I don't care if his name is Elijah or Elisha. And he said, okay, Uncle Prentice, if that will make you happy, every time I flip that switch for that thing to come on, I'll make sure that there is no possibility that that thing jumps the track and comes down and kills your great nephew. I said, that would make me very happy. So we've got all those things to be concerned about that are happening in the natural, right? We, we've had strange things. We've had the, the earthquakes in Alaska, which is not extremely big compared to their, 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 their history. But we've had unusual ones now, down close to uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. I didn't even know there was a Cleveland, Tennessee. Down close to Cleveland, Tennessee, that a 5.5 earthquake. I mean, there's plenty, plenty of things to, to, to go back and remember and remember what the Bible says, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, and all of these things. I mean, to last week when, when uh, uh, Mr. Trump said that he was going to pull the soldiers out of, of, of Syria, and I'm thinking, I always wondered why, it, why a U.S. wasn't going to be involved in the, in the battle of uh, uh that was going to take place in, the, in there. Right. And then I got to think, well, he said Syria didn't say anything about Iraq. I said, good lands. That was kind of spooky. Anyway, y'all don't follow that kind of thing. I'll move right on. Three things to pray about in 2019. First of all, looking at the scripture in the book of Luke, you know, it's one of the Marx brothers, Matthew, Mark. Anyway, Luke 18, verse 7. I want to read it in uh, one of the versions. Actually, it's New King James. Everybody said, why are you still in King James? Because for 500 years, 90% of the Christians were born under King James. Uh, that, that's all I'm going to say. So, anyway... I got a kick when I was a year out of Bible school, and one night I got Job mixed up with Job, and I was preaching out of the book of Job. I mean, I'm not going to ask if you've ever done that. And the funny thing was, there were five people that come up and got saved. <laughs> Next night I preached out of the book of Eccles. <laughs> and it's amazing, ten people, four people... Four people come up and got saved, and ten people got filled with the Holy Ghost, even when I made the mistake on the names of the books. And they were saying, you went to Bible college? I said, you would be surprised what I learned at Bible college. Anyway, going on from that, Luke 18, verse 7. And God shall not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears them long with them. And I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, second coming, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So there is a question. There's a question when he comes again. Will he find faith on this earth? Preceding this was a parable in regard to the unjust judge. And then Jesus adds this to it. And he just, just said that. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Version also. Luke, Luke 18, chapter, verse 7. And will not our just God defend and protect and avenge his elect. In other words, his chosen ones who cry to him day and night 
Will he deter them and delay help on their behalf? Now, evidently, according to this, there was people that were called of God that prayed. And it says that they prayed both day and night. So these men and women that is being spoken of here had a witness or testimony much like Daniel and his other four friends. That the only way that they could catch them doing anything wrong was to catch them and they just so happened to be praying. Now, will not God take care of those that spend their time in prayer before the throne room or before God? And the scripture that I've just read says, yes, he will. I believe anyone who spends their time in prayer, it is probably, can, can be probably one of the most uh, difficult things you can do because nobody usually sees you unless you're one of the Pharisees that likes to go out in the street and in the middle lift up their hands and start praising God in a very ecclesiastical language. Oh, God! Everybody watching? I want to make sure I get on CNN. Oh, God! But evidently, these people were not interested in being on CNN. They were interested to be in front of the Lord praying. And this is what the ones I'm talking about here. Now, the Bible talks about it in, 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 in different places. It talks about two things. It talks about the church and it talks about the bride. One of the things that God is doing today is these circumstances and situations that are presented to us is preparing us for something greater. I mean, we have to get that as a, fu a, a fundamental understanding. All the things, I don't care if it's good, I don't care if it's bad, what we're supposed to do is to turn all of those negative things around and make it something that is positive. I don't care if it hinders you or helps you in the short term. We are to take those things and turn them around and make something good out of it. I mean, we have to. That's our existence. Preparing the bride involves two things. And I'm, I'm talking about spiritual. I'm not talking about natural things. One of the things is in regard to the preparing of the bride through prayer is bringing his will and his plan on this earth. Amen. Going to the scripture, not my will, thine be done. But that's for another one here that I've got. Or we can talk about, it's not me. I can't, for some reason, I cannot picture Jesus in the garden taking selfies before the religious leaders come to take him away. One of the unique things is he is praying. He is before God. He is going over some of those things that he has said. There's times when you come to the close of your life or a life and death element that comes up in your life that makes you go back and think, has God pleased with what I've done? Don't care about anybody else. Is God pleased? And I'm thinking about the time that Jesus was with Peter. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, who am I? Well, the consensus of the people from CNN says that you are some prophet, or you're uh, Elijah, or you're Jeremiah. And Jesus said, I'm not asking about the consensus. I'm asking Peter what you think, and who do you think I am? Peter speaks up, probably for the first time he ever had any nerve, and not because he wasn't exactly what you called a Paul who had been raised in a position that should have brought those things, but he was just a common, 
fishermen who would go out on the water and sometimes bring in a load of fish and sometimes bring in nothing at all. And you know good and well that Peter, under the anointing and the power of God, makes a, makes a declaration of who Jesus is. He said, upon this, and Jesus said, upon this, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevent any of this. And said, I gave you the keys of authority. Now, this is Peter bringing down the will of God to earth. What has been bound in heaven, you will bind on earth. The, th the second thing that prepare, preparing yourself through prayer is stopping the strategies of the enemy. How can I do that? I'll, I'll tell you, to be honest with you folks, the last six months has been some of the most difficult times in my prayer life. Most difficult things. I have been under a, a spiritual attack. I have been under a physical attack. I have been under, under classifying those attacks any way at all. And I thought, Lord, God, I don't want to be negative, but is the enemy just picking on me if I'm the only one that's got the bullseye on their back? And finally, the Lord placed me around some different uh, preachers that I respect and, and found out to come, it's just not me. But it was some of the other pastors and preachers that was out there. And it just wasn't them because the pastors was telling me, I don't know what it is. It seems like in my church, every one of my people are suffering. Every one of my people are going through trials and tribulations. I don't know what to say in regard to it. There's, there's been some of the men in my church have been married for 30 years and their wife suddenly dies and said some of my, the, the women in my church, they have been married for so long and their husbands have, have died and they just feel like that the world is coming to an end. Is there anything that we can do to reverse this or to deal with it? And I tell you, yes, there is. The first thing that type of prayer that we can pray that will help deal with these issues is, I believe, number one, is praying the prayer of faith. You can pray the prayer of faith even when you question, do I have it? Just you thinking of it and just you thinking about praying it speaks there some oil on the dipstick. Uh, some of you may not know what, what I'm talking about, about that. But Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now understanding that I'm giving you things that we need to rank highly in our time with the Lord. Prayers to pray. When you read the scripture before you ever start meditating about or thinking about being in the presence of God, it will cause you to have a positive aspect in regard that there's something God has for me, there's something I'm going to receive from God. And it's going to be the results of me speaking that word forth with the power of God that is within me. So the first prayer in regard to 2019, we need to pray is the prayer of faith. Let it be the first things that come off of our lips. Lord, this is what I build my life on. The knowledge that when I pray, you hear me and you're going to cause something to take place. Well, even when I'm going through bad things, especially when you're going through bad times. If you've ever, if you've ever been faced with a life and death situation, 
if you've ever had a life and death situation happen to you, this is one of the primary things that will get you through. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Nothing spiritually is supposed to make sense. That's why it's spiritual. Natural eyes cannot perceive the things of the Spirit. But spirit eyes can see beyond the veil that that situation is bringing into, into you. You're thinking, well, this is the promise of God, but I'm dealing with a loss of this loved one. I'm dealing with a loss of this baby. I'm dealing with a loss of this wife. I'm dealing with a loss of a child. I'm dealing with the lifestyle of one of my daughters or one of my sons that is not complimentary to the walk God has ordained for me. So what do I do? I take the foolish thing of the world and I take it and turn it around because greater is He that is in me than any of these problems that are trying to to tear me down. You hear me this morning? This morning I don't mind if it's quiet. Because I know you're thinking. I hope. It's always good when you think. With hope. So read it one, time, one more time. Therefore I say to you. Whatever things you asked. When you pray. What does that mean? There's times I have to pray. There's times in my prayer. I'm asking. And is it all right to do that? Because you, some, some people, well, if you're like me, you're saying, well, Lord, that's asking, that's asking foolish things. That, that's asking selfish things. And then, bang, so help me, that scripture comes up, you have not, say it again. You have not, because you ask not. In other words, I say, you don't have it because you don't ask. Well, you mean I can do that without being selfish? Yes, you can. So during these times of life's ups and downs, you can pray. Let me tell you something. If there was a time you need to pray, it's when you're going through your darkest days of your life by circumstances you have no control over. I mean, is there anybody in here that has gone through that? Has there been circumstances you've gone through this last year that happened and you absolutely had no control over whatsoever? Think about it. John G. Lake said, The prayer of faith is governed by the inevitable law of faith. Think about it before the thing falls off. John G. Lake, one of the great, great healing ministers of, of, of the last century, knew where he was coming from. And he made, the, he made this quote. He quoted this. And he said, The prayer of faith is governed by the law, the inevitable law of faith that is according to your faith be it under me I see I don't have any hair to hold this thing on wherever it is do I look okay I'm very concerned with that Wow. According, the answer to that, the inevitable law of faith, according to your faith, be it unto you, Matthew, the ninth chapter, verse 29. That's pretty powerful. According to your faith, be it unto you. The second one is this. It is a prayer of Consecration. These are the types of prayers you pray in this coming year. 
the prayer of consecration. This is a prayer to change things. Everybody remember that. Put that down. The prayer of consecration is a prayer to change things in your area of authority. Do I have an area of authority? Yes. My answer to that, or it, it, it calls for an editorial, or, or it, it, I, I've written down here, give up your rights. Give up your rights. In the, in the kingdom of God, when you start to work for the Lord, you give up your rights. I mean, that's what consecration is. I'm giving up. I'm giving, I'm giving up for something greater than anything that I could do to bring me to that place if that's even possible. I give up my right. I am totally dependent upon God and God's will alone in my life. I answer to God only. I don't answer to my dad, my mother, my wife, my kids. I only answer to God. Prayer of consecration. See, in the Bible there was... There was vessels that were con considered holy. They had been consecrated to the Lord. They had gone through a uh, 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 some religious acts in those days to consecrate it where everybody knew this is strictly made for the temple of God. It is strictly made that anything that goes in the vessel for it to be a vessel of honor is governed by practices and rules of the Torah. Anything that would take that away would make it unclean, would make it, uh, uh, would desecrate the temple. In other words, what do you think you do when you have your child and you bring that child in for dedication? It is an act of consecration. The wording speaks of it. Thank you, Lord. Forgiving me this child and knowing that only God knows his or her beginnings from the end. And we give that child back into God's hands because we realize our limitations, but there is no limitations with God. Our best ways of raising that child is based upon human understanding. But when we give that child back unto God. We don't do it with natural man's understanding. We do it with God's understanding that knows the first breath that child takes till the last diaper that is put on that kid. So who would you rather consecrate your child to? The keeping of a natural person or the keeping of God himself? that he would see to it that there's always the right way put there before him. And there's always that encouragement that is felt by being in the presence of God. That's the prayer consecration. Understanding this, that the word of God is the will of God talked about uh, the Word of God a little bit before this and the will of God a little bit before going into it a little bit deeper. 1 John, that's what I call them, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Okay, not 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, I think. Never mind. 1 John or 1 John, whatever you want to call it. 5th chapter, verse 14 and 15. This is speaking that the Word of God is the will of God. So, you get in this place, well, heal this person, if it be your will. Well, the Bible already tells us it's his will, all right? So we're, pray, we're praying the will of God, okay? The will of God. 1 John, the fifth chapter, verse 14 and 15 says it this way. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. It's our confidence in him. That if we ask anything according to his what? His will. He hears us. Oops. Well, I don't know if the Lord heard me in regard to this. 
Well, his word is the will of God, and his word here says, I hear it. Okay? He hears us, verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, say it with me, whatever we ask, one more time, say it with me, whatever we ask, let's try it the fourth time, whatever we ask, there, there we go, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. Wow, is this the right one? Is, is this the right one? Uh, it's a little joke because I had a conversation before service. Is this the right one? You know, maybe it's a girl asking, is this the right guy? You better ask the Lord. It's hard enough with those that God sends our way, believe me. Is this the right one? Can we even say, is this the right car? I tell you, a lot of times I want to say, by just making sure I ask the Lord, is this the right car? Finding that three months later it was nothing, it, was a, it wasn't an orange, it was a lemon. In other words, everything in the world happened. It was like I drive it out of the driveway, it loses $1,500 once you get it off the parking lot. And then all of a sudden the alternator goes out, the battery goes out, the transmission goes out, the starter goes out, and you get this dumb look on your face. I just wonder if this wasn't the will of the Lord. So you've already asked the question and already got the answer. So, going on. Look at uh, John the fifteenth chapter, verse seventeen. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. Now that's predicated upon the word being in you. Not all of a sudden, oh. Is this the will of the Lord? No. When the Word abides in you, okay, it abides in you. It's not that Wednesday night Bible study. It's going to be more than that. It's that every day that you have the Word of God available to you and you participate in what it says. In other words, you're reading that Word, you're putting it into you, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, you can retain more than what a person in the natural can because you have the ability that when the Holy Ghost is in you, according to what Jesus said, he will bring all, come on, he will bring all things to your remembrance. Know what the word says? He will bring all things. So once that thing has been spoken and you receive that, it lies in your REM, your ram, in other words, that's the, some of you know what I'm talking about. The, 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 it, it's there. It's not really working till you till you apply it. Okay. So here we here we find him saying here that uh, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Running faster, because we're in the last lap, and I always put the fast ones in the last lap. The prayer of commitment. It's a prayer of commitment. I'm going to read this scripture to you out of the Amplified. Uh, it's uh, 1 Peter, or 1 Peter, uh, 5th chapter, verse 7. Cast, this is committing, and committing, uh, I'm, I'm doing it on a little bit different way here, presenting it a little bit later, uh, uh, different, and this is a prayer of commitment. Some of you need prayers of commitment, and what I mean by that is applying the scripture to it. Casting the whole of your cares, this is amplified, casting the whole of your cares, that's, that's all of them. All your, this, this, this brings the classification down. We're talking about all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, and all of you. On him, casting it on him. This is the commitment. I am committing to cast all, I'm, commit, I'm, I'm making a commitment to cast 
all of these things that I want, even the things that I got and I didn't want, I'm casting it on him because why? Because he cares for you. This is the will of God concerning you that you don't carry these things. You have an ability to turn them over to the Lord. Now this might be your day. I've put up enough with this thinking. I've put up with it. I've tried to solve it. I've applied the eight principles of uh, uh, Sharonda, whoever she is. I just pull that out of the air. It, of course, it might be, it might be somebody. I, I'm saying it as a satire. Okay, uh, some of you might not know what I'm talking about there either. So, anyway. As long as you fret and have anxiety concerning the things you are praying about, you are nullifying the effects of your praying. Oh, Lord, please take this. And then you get up and all of a sudden you regurgitate that problem. Well, maybe some of you don't understand what that is. That means you chewed it over and you thought you got rid of it, but bang, there it comes again. Okay? I thought I prayed this thing through. I thought I got rid of this thing. I thought I had it under the blood. And what is it causing? It's causing that I cast it upon him and he's supposed to take it off. And what we have done, we've prayed a prayer of resurrection. That thing that we thought we buried, all of a sudden, oh, Lord, that, that thing that I committed to you, I know better. I, I can do it better. I want it back. I want it back. So I'm going to breathe into it. The breath of life. And to some extent we've all done that. Oh, this will hit somebody on the head, I know. See, God didn't call me to win friends and influence people. He just called me to speak what he tells me. It's not my fault. As long, listen to this. As long as you are still worried about your problem, laying awake at night, I know nobody in here does that, tossing from one side of the bed to the other, trying to figure it out, it just doesn't happen till you learn to pray that prayer of commitment. I've turned this thing over to the Lord. And the Lord takes it and says, don't worry, don't fret. I've got it. You know, we made a big deal out of that uh, uh, phraseology. I got your back. I got your back. I, I, I believe after 58 years in ministry, I believe there comes a time when we are tested in regard to that scripture. Do we really believe God has our back? And I can tell you after those times of being awake with the sun, cries, runs 105 degrees to temperature and when dad lifted me up and presented me to God in that little house trailer that we were traveling in said God I have done all I can do it's up to you I can't do no more God comes on the scene. A miracle takes place. And a prayer is answered. And it's placed within our repertoire of things done and accomplished by God. Read this and I'll close. If, if, if you have your Bible, it's in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I think in regard to this message today, this brings it all together. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight, every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, the discipline of God. Verse 3, for consider him who endured and such hostilities from sinners against himself, lest you become so weary and discouraged in your soul. Let me tell you something. You think you go through something? I'm here to tell you by experience. There's always somebody that is out there that has gone through more than you have. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and, and you have... You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure the chastening, God deals with you as with sons for what? Son is there whom a father does not chasten. But if you are without chastening, which all things have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them for them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirit and life? For they indeed for a few days of chastening us as seemed to be best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present thing. Yep, been there, done that, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peaceable fruits of the righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Renew your spiritual vitality. Therefore, strengthen the hands of those which hang down in feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Purpose peace with all people, holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, at least anyone falls short of the grace of God. At least any root of bitterness. That's a big deal. Who's ever heard, who's ever had a spirit of bitterness. I can't say I have. I'm not looking up. Okay. To see who might have raised her hand. Uh, any root of bitterness springing up could cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. At least there be any of the fornicators or profane people like Esau. Who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessing. He was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. When you do these things and you commit to these prayers in your life, you cannot help but have change to take place. Let me tell you something. There is going to be a move of the Spirit of the God. I don't care what is going on. Let hell or high water. Let earthquakes, let let tornadoes, let, let eruptions uh, uh, all over earthquakes in Mississippi Valley. Let all those things, the death of loved ones, the death of spouses, death, disease, heartaches are going to happen. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. I hold on to that. I pray what God has said and I expect the joy of the Lord to happen in my life. When things are down, I realize joy comes in the morning. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what I'm going to look like. But I know, I know, I know that the joy of the Lord is going to come. I'm holding on to the hand of God. And I'm confident that after 65 years of consciousness of the blessings of God, He's never failed me. He's never forsaken me. He has said what he has said 
and he's done what he said, and he will do it for you. He will do it for you. Can we stand together just for a moment? Let me pray for you. And Lindsay's going to come and close us out. Father God, we thank you today, Lord, that we can trust in you. We thank you today, Lord, what you say you're going to bring to pass. Lord, I just say this morning with the things that we're going to be involved in in the next two months, the time of prayer, the time of seeking you, the time of, of fasting, I pray, Lord, that, that you will seek out these that are here today and you would speak into their hearts and into their lives. Lord, that you would give them joy for, 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 for discouragement. Lord, that you will turn things around for them. That the prayer of, Lord, that the, the prayer of commitment will be strong. That, Lord, we'll learn to cast all of our burdens and cares upon you, no matter what they are. Lord, I pray a blessing upon these, your people, that this will be a life-changing day. And we can look back this time next year and say, Lord, we, I know that you have been with me because without you, I would not be here. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.